1: Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, everybody, where we bring a Chips Ahoy mindset to the pastel macarons eaten podium of Formula One racing. Macarons overrated? Get them out of here. I'm Nolan Sykes, joined by my two co-hosts, my favorite auto journalists and authors of Racing with Rich Energy. We got Elizabeth Blackstock and Alanis King.
2: Do you think any Formula One driver actually eats macarons?
1: Uh, no.
2: I, I would say that's probably against their diet.
1: Probably. Just probably against it's Noting. against the
2: Formula 1 driver law. They agree to only eat vegetables. Yeah, read right along alongside no bicycling before
3: the month before the race season so you don't fall off and break your arm. Oh. <laughs>
2: they break that.
1: Welcome back. I feel like I I've talked to you guys so We've much. We've seen in each the last other week. so
2: much in the past like week. It's pretty impressive. Sick of us.
1: Elizabeth, how are you?
3: I'm great. I spent all weekend doing things for the first time ever, so that was exciting. Non-race car things on a weekend? What a concept. (laughs) I went to a magic show, went rock climbing, Chris Angel. Not not Chris Angel, just some other guy. That's really sad. (laughs) This week on DRS, we're going to talk about what role money has in Formula One, and we're going to talk about our predictions for this weekend's Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia. But before that, Lace up those tennis shoes and get that step count up because it is time for our track walk of the Jeddah-Cornish circuit in
2: Saudi Arabia. The Jeddah-Cornish circuit is a temporary street circuit located on the Cornish, an 18-mile coastal resort area of Jeddah, an ancient Saudi Arabian city. The Tilt Company designed the circuit and they used Google Earth to help lay out the track. The overall intention was to create the fastest street track on the Formula One calendar, and they succeeded. It's one of the fastest, as average speeds are around 155 miles an hour. That's not peak. Average.
1: That's crazy. That's fast.
2: That is kind of just Houston highway traffic right there. (laughs) Um, So not super impressed, but, you know, it is what it is. But the 50-lap, 3.83-ish mile Grand Prix is also a new race on the Formula One calendar. The first one happened in 2021.
1: I I have mixed feelings about this track. The drivers don't seem to like it too much uh, <laughs> because it's a little sketchy, I guess. There's not a lot of runoff in certain areas. It's a very high-speed track. It is a street course, too, uh, so it's not like a proper racing service, although I'm sure some sections are built to racing spec. And the fact that it's in the country that it's in also gives me pause sometimes. I don't know. I, I I think it's made some good racing.
3: Yeah, it's not it's not terrible. It's not the worst. It's just, you know, a lot of mixed feelings come with this track. Yeah. It's one of those ones that I feel like just kind of got plopped down in the calendar where, like, no one was excited about Baku either. And they just kind of dropped it in and were like, here it is. We're going to race here and we're doing it for the rest of forever forever. And the racing is like sometimes all right and sometimes it's garbage but i guess we'll find out what this year's edition is gonna take
2: you know it's it's a very weird sport because other racing series i feel like they kind of go huh what are the fans saying do they hate us are they judging us and then they'll change things according to that formula one's just like whatever do we They don't hair. hate us they don't hate us enough yet Let's keep giving up races in the Middle East. Let's give them more reasons to hate us. We love when they hate us. Like Formula One doesn't care if you're there or not. They're just going to do whatever they want to do.
1: Yeah, it's very likely that the uh, Saudi Grand Prix, once they have a proper racing circuit, not a street track, I've heard rumors that it's very likely they'll become the opening race of the season, uh, which isn't surprising considering how much uh, Saudi investment flows through. Formula One these days. McLaren is mostly owned by a Saudi firm. I believe Aston Martin has a lot of Saudi money on board as well.
2: More money, more power in in this kind of situation.
3: There
1: you go. Yeah.
2: That is actually, in fact, what we're talking
3: about today. <clears throat> the topic of money in Formula One is murky and it's complex as a hell. But we want to start untangling that web a little bit for you today because one of the biggest financial injections in F1 at like just generally right now is coming from Saudi Arabia. But I want to kind of give us a little context first about what sponsorships are for F1. F1's always been expensive, but it's only gotten more so over time thanks to the fact that it is both a sport and has also evolved to become a significant marketing tool. Uh, Back in the 1960s, drivers like Yuck and Rint first started advertising sponsorship space on their helmets Uh, And Lotus even made waves when they repainted their traditional British racing green Lotus to mimic the red and gold color combo of gold leaf cigarettes. That was really when we started to see that shift. And once other race teams realized that influx of cash meant you could afford to do a lot of crazy stuff and beat the competition, obviously we're going to start spending a lot of money. And to get that money, they turned it to sponsors, And those sponsors were further enticed as Bernie Ecclestone developed F1's evolving TV deals in the 70s and 80s. F1 does a very unique thing where they record their own broadcast and sell it out to other people. So they're making a ton of money. It's getting all over the country, all over the world. You want to be there. You want to be seen. Everything in this world is political. But when you start getting into the challenging territory of high-dollar sponsorship deals – it gets even worse. Uh, that's why there's such a complex uproar around the banning of tobacco sponsorships back when that first happened in the in the 70s and, no, sorry, that was in the 80s and 90s, uh, and why teams like McLaren and Ferrari are still trying to skirt those rules.
1: A Better Tomorrow, uh, Mission Winnow.
2: We love Mission Winnow, and when, when you Google Mission Winnow, you don't really get any answer as to what it is.
1: It's almost like a cult website. You go yeah. on there and you're yes. like, "Am I d- are they going to start tracking me Is now? this an MLM? Yeah, yeah.
2: Mission Winnow is a a change lab focused on reframing global conversations, sparking open debate, connecting people and supporting the realization of innovative ideas. What? So, it's from so Philip yeah. Morris. It's from the folks who make Marlboro. It's tobacco money.
1: Yeah, it says Philip Morris on the bottom of the website here actually. Yeah. So this is the kind of stuff that these tobacco companies use to skirt around these rules—just very nebulous brands, yes. Siphoning that tobacco money to the racing teams, uh, mission winnow, like we mentioned, and then like a better tomorrow on McLaren, yes. And I'm sure there's some other ones floating around there.
2: Here's my favorite part of the mission winnow website. It says, for a change lab to work, there must be no hidden agenda. Mission Winnow stands for progress, transparency, innovation, facts over preconceptions, and the relentless search for improvement. But then what are you? Where is the transparency? There's no transparency. For a change lab to work, there must be no hidden agenda. The whole thing is a hidden agenda. This is a freaking government (laughs) psyop.
1: So, bringing it back to Saudi Arabia, the sport is obviously super popular in that country. But, starting in 2018... The country has become a near-permanent fixture on various racing calendars. Things kicked up with the race of champions back in 2018, followed by Formula E's Daria E-Prix beginning in 2019. The iconic Dakar rally moved out of both Africa and South America to be held in Saudi Arabia. And we got the first Formula 1 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix in 2021. Dakar, Formula E, and F1 have all inked deals to keep returning to the country. The country is building a purpose built circuit for F1. And you've probably noticed the big Saudi sponsors like oil company Aramco becoming significant players in racing around the world.
2: What's really interesting to me about building all of these permanent facilities is the fact that, like, we're currently seeing this sports washing boom, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we are investing lots of money into things like Formula One to sports wash our country. Eventually, all this stuff goes away and Formula One will leave and there will be this giant track built for Formula One, this global motorsports facility, and no one will be there. Like, we see this with the Olympics. We see this with everything else. They build all of these really nice facilities and then they abandon them. We saw this with the Vietnam Grand Prix, which never ended up happening. They started building a track and now that thing's abandoned. And like, maybe we'll come back to it.
3: Like, they repurposed the Sochi Winter Olympics venue to make a racetrack, and now that we don't even use the racetrack.
2: And you see this enough when there aren't sports washing campaigns. Like, there are so many racetracks around the world that have been abandoned and just sit there. Like, you know, for a long time, I was a few minutes away from one, Texas World Speedway. That got turned into a neighborhood. There's so much money, so much wasted resources so much everything goes into building these facilities that will probably get abandoned. And it's really unfortunate when you could just keep doing the street circuit and leave it at that.
1: I think that track will still be used. I mean, it is Saudi Arabia. you got plenty of guys over there uh, with very extensive car collections that are probably itching to use a track like that. But, Alanis, let's talk about sports washing in general. You've said that a few, to- a few times. What even... Are we talking about when we say that?
2: Oh, I love that question. Okay, sports washing is basically taking sporting events, which people are very passionate about, and people often like to escape the politics of the world by watching sports. We hear this all the time. I watch sports as an escape. So sports watching works very well because it allows people to escape the realities of the countries these events are happening in. So maybe a country has a really poor reputation for human rights violations. They just bring in a big sporting event that everybody's going to watch. You bring in the World Cup. You bring in Formula One. You bring in whatever. And you kind of wash away your stains by making your your circuits and your motorsports events and your sporting events look really fancy and nice we saw this with baku the azerbaijan grand Uh, prix mm -hmm. lots of lots of protests happening against this grand prix even happening this happened for a long time and you see when we go to baku the buildings actually get covered Mm -hmm. with facades to make baku look really really nice and great and
1: makes people turn their turn the other cheek when Azerbaijan yes. uh attacks Armenia. I mean, sports washing also happens. I mean, the races are held in certain states here in the US that have yes. some very oppressive policies of their own. So it's not it's not a, a a Middle Eastern thing, it's not a Azerbaijan thing. It's it's uh it happens all over the place. <sighs> it's not anyway, that's sports washing. So that's what we're talking about yeah. when we keep using that term throughout this episode.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now. which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile.
3: Saudi Arabia's investment in motorsport is huge. No other country is currently investing in motorsport this way, and to my knowledge, no other country has ever done this so quickly. This is coming alongside a massive investment in both entertainment and sports with the intention of transforming Saudi Arabia into a robust cultural hub by investing in everything from conference centers and art galleries to racetracks. Saudi Arabia calls this Vision 2030, which the country's Minister of Sports, Prince Abdulaziz, told the Motorsport Network is designed to... Get the future of youth interested in sports. So that includes everything from Saudi Arabia's 2030 World Cup bid and Live Golf, the Saudi-funded golf tournament that you probably have heard Mm -hmm. about, which is designed to rival the PGA Tour. Uh, That also includes Saudi Arabia buying the English Premier League team Newcastle United and signing all-star Cristiano Ronaldo for a Saudi Arabia-based football club.
2: Yeah, so I don't know much about football clubs or cristiano ronaldo or anything but i have heard about this deal and apparently he's gonna receive 75 million a year Ooh. to make him the highest paid player in history he's also going to live in a place that costs three hundred thousand dollars a month and there's been a lot of talk about the fact that his girlfriend will live with him which is against the law so they have quite literally adjusted the law for him so that his girlfriend can come live with him like They are moving mountains to bring this man Mm -hmm. in, and this is just another example of we will pay a lot of money to sports wash things and Mm -hmm. repair our reputation. Yeah. It's not totally
3: clear how much money Saudi Arabia has spent overall on sport. Uh, One study by The Guardian says that it's nearly $1.5 billion for the past few years, but that's only a drop in the bucket. Saudi Arabian royalty can draw from $600 billion to use just fund whatever they want. So this honestly is a, is there's more that can be done here.
2: And yeah, like we talked about, like this is a very murky thing because you discuss human rights issues and you also discuss that human rights issues aren't the only thing going on in these countries. Other people live there and are trying to live their lives, and sure, giving the youth of Saudi Arabia something to watch is great, and that extra money is undoubtedly helping Formula One function smoothly as a business, but it's hard to see that as the main motivation here. Journalists and pundits around the world have accused Saudi Arabia of sports washing, and as we've said, it's essentially a way to use sport to improve a country or organization's reputation. One of the more historical examples of sports washing is Nazi Germany's hosting of the 1936 Olympics, which became a way for Adolf Hitler to impress visiting athletes with the might of a country that was still looking to recover from a resounding defeat in World War One. You probably also saw similar criticisms surrounding Russia hosting the Winter Olympics in 2014 or the FIFA World Cup in 2018.
1: Or the World Cup this year.
2: Yep basically it's a concerted effort to use the emotion and passion of sports to forge positive associations with a country that has committed some sort of act or various acts that would be perceived negatively yeah so we can
3: definitely see some of the sports washing at work here in saudi arabia a country that has faced repeated criticisms over its corruption and human rights abuses the country is an absolute monarchy so that means that all of the power rests in the hands of a single person. And that means there's no system of accountability in place to prevent things like judicial corporal punishment, which is essentially cutting off limbs for things like robbery or flogging women who were raped. But because they were unable to name their rapist, were told that they committed adultery. Uh, torture is technically banned by Saudi Arabia's criminal procedure code, but it's still used in the country. And women did just receive the freedom to drive four years ago. But they are also still part of the guardianship system, which means that they are the property of any man in their life. So their husband, their father, their brother also we're able to ignore the kidnapping and murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi for critiquing the government. These were things that like you're just hearing about constantly in the news cycle.
1: These factors almost certainly do come into play in Saudi Arabia's bid to rewrite its relationship with the world at large. But some people are also pointing at the country's need for economic diversity. In other words, most of Saudi Arabia's assets are tied up in oil and gas, and now the world is trying to move away from carbon fuels. Diversifying in other arenas like entertainment allows Saudi Arabia to become a key player in new markets while it's still able to exert financial control. It has also resulted in some really goofy sponsorships like Aramco, an oil company, funneling money into Formula E an electric and purportedly green racing series. That is pretty interesting. I get it, though. I mean, I've always thought, like, even 20 years ago when EVs were start, like slowly starting to become a thing, I was like, why don't the oil companies invest money into figuring this out? So that, like, <laughs> they could, when the shift does come, they can continue to be on top. It just, I don't know. I'm dumb, but that's always made sense to me.
2: Yes. And also the disassociation between these things. So like Aramco isn't only a thing when we think about Formula E. It was also kind of a big thing last year with Sebastian Vettel because the Aston Martin team had that big Aramco sponsorship. And Sebastian Vettel is campaigning for climate justice and human rights and all of Mm -hmm. these things. And you know, a lot of these things really factored into his decision to leave Formula One because he was starting to see this world where he couldn't really justify traveling the world to race these wasteful cars and having these wasteful sponsorships that he Mm -hmm. didn't agree with anymore.
3: And the Aramco sponsorship also came at the time when formula one was like very much pushing for it's not carbon neutrality. I think that's what they're aiming for ultimately, uh, but better for the environment essentially. And then suddenly pasted on the, you know, behind the drivers doing their interviews is, this big Aramco sponsorship. There's also a term called greenwashing, which is sports washing, yes. but for being good for the environment. And that's something that Formula E has done. They released their economic and environmental report. And the reason that they're carbon neutral, allegedly, is because they're doing carbon offsets, which are just planting trees and stuff to make up for what you are doing constantly anyway. Um, I think it's just kind of funny that they're like, yeah we're good for the environment not because we've done anything different with our in- <laughs> our environment and our organization as a sport but just because we like did some other stuff outside of it
2: well you know here's my proposal um formula e come plant some trees in my yard because every single time i plant a tree it dies and i'm so sick of this yeah. it has been five years of constant tree deaths and tree mourning and i've i have four trees And this year I have to plant two new ones because two of them died last year.
1: I think your soil is messed up. I think there's probably poison in there. No, my soil is
2: entirely clay. Like, it's a problem. But I've kept two trees alive in about six years. I
1: mean, trees are not high maintenance. (laughs) No. So, obviously, the situation is immensely complex and constantly evolving. Some people have argued that the people of Saudi Arabia deserve opportunities to engage in sport, the same freedom and luxuries as Westerners, but it's also critical not to ignore the fact that this country's government was able to amass the funds necessary for this entertainment investment by tamping down the freedom of, well, let's say, the entire population of women. So, a bit of a a mixed bag there.
2: And, you know, we're nowhere near close to being done with Saudi Arabia and motorsport. The public investment fund that founded Live Golf has been rumored to be interested in buying F1 from Liberty Media. And you'll remember Liberty Media only took over F1 in 2016. It hasn't been that long. It's only been about seven years. Aramco is one of F1's global partners alongside Emirates, DHL, Heineken, Pirelli, and Rolex, and that deal is allegedly worth between 42 and $51 million per year, according to Motorsport Week. Mind you, that deal is inked for 10 years. Like, that's a big deal. And further, the country has signed a mind-boggling deal with F1 with the intention of hosting a race for the next 15 years, to the tune of about $65 million per Grand Prix. As you know, in F1, each hosting country and hosting body has to pay to bring these races to their tracks, so... Saudi Arabia is paying 65 million. Maybe Austin's paying like 20. I think that was the average over the past few years. They were paying about 20 million. So everyone has to pay, but nice little deal there for F1. Um, Between the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix and the Aramco sponsorship, F1 is getting over 100 million per year. And according to Racing News 365, the only other countries that come close to paying as much in sanctioning fees as Saudi Arabia are Qatar and Azerbaijan. Two other countries known for, as you guessed it, human rights issues.
1: Yeah, and again, I don't it's not just a Saudi or Qatar or Azerbaijan problem. Like every there are significant
3: <laughs> issues regarding the legislation about trans people in Florida. Yes. We have yes. similar problems here in Texas. Yep. Uh, this is something that we're gonna be we're gonna be dealing with a lot on the F1 calendar. Um we're yes. not condemning Saudi Arabia specifically for being Saudi Arabia. Uh, we are talking about it because it's important. And we're going to talk about it again as we get into other countries like the good old United States.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's a good policy for every every race weekend. Just Google where the race is taking place and just look into the history a little bit.
3: Go to, go to Amnesty International and look at the country. Yeah. That's all I got to say.
2: <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and I mean, it is, it is very interesting that we have these discussions when it comes to Saudi Arabia and countries in the Middle East, but we have less of these discussions when Formula One comes to Miami, and we have less of these discussions when Formula One comes to Austin. Texas is a rough landscape right now. We have lots mm-hmm. of legislation against trans people. We have lots of legislation against pregnant people. We should probably be having these discussions more when it comes to the United States.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ironically, I think there is some sort of washing of our own uh going on. Issue washing, maybe. Yes. Rights washing. I don't know. I don't know the proper term yet, but it's like, hey, let's uh let's scrutinize other countries for their problems without looking yeah. taking a look in the mirror. Uh, and I feel like we've gone off the path a little bit, but I feel like that's something that's a healthy mindset going forward, is maybe let's let's be introspective going forward. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
3: The reason we're talking about Saudi Arabia today is because it's topical and also because it is got so much money, like just an astounding amount of money that they're dumping into the sport. And that was kind of what we wanted to highlight. We don't have quite as much money here in Texas. Uh, that was a problem for many years. And I was on the local news. I had to do a, a class. I was in a civics class. You had to do a petition. So when F1 was leaving, uh, was possibly going to leave Austin, I did a little petition that was like, keep... Keep circuit of the Americas on the F1 calendar. And I put it on Twitter and people signed it. And I like got brought up onto the stage that they had for our, oh, our no. like huge lecture wow. hall. And then the local news reached out and they're like, Hey, do you want to like talk about Coda and how much you like race cars? Liz, I thank oh, you, no. you, you may
1: you have played a non-insignificant role in keeping Coda on the calendar. Wow.
3: All because of a meme, because I had a class
1: assignment. Wow. (laughs)
2: Incredible,
3: Elizabeth. (laughs) This is crazy.
1: So, if you're going to Texas this year and you see Liz Blackstock, you're welcome. Say a little thank you.
2: All right.
3: Sports and politics and money, it's all wrapped up in a complex little package that can be easy to forget about. But we're going to talk about it and we're going to remind you about it ahead of this year's Saudi Arabian Grand Prix.
2: And Miami and Texas and everywhere else.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com America dot com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What are we expecting to see this weekend? let's let's talk about some racing itself. Second race of this calendar. Uh, you know, we had Red Bulls getting that one two finish over in Bahrain. They put some space between the rest of the of the of the grid and themselves. So, I'm kind of expecting to see the same thing, to be honest. Max is very quick around the streets of Cornish.
2: I agree. I think we're going to see more of the same, because as we have discussed, once Formula One gets into a pattern and they've accepted what's going to happen, that's what happens. And Mercedes has given up. Mercedes is like, one race in, we're out.
1: Lewis, George, and Toto Wolf all saying like, yeah, uh, Red Bull basically has it wrapped up. So that was some exciting stuff <laughs> uh, since last we've spoken um
3: i think the interesting thing this year is going to be seeing aston martin and what they can do if they can actually maintain what they should yes. in Bahrain, and also seeing how bad mclaren is going to be like mm-hmm. those are Ooh. the things i'm going to be looking at this weekend uh mostly mclaren because i like daniel ricardo so i'm yeah. just gonna laugh oh you're
2: just gonna have some fun watching mclaren go downhill oh yeah
1: i'm keeping my nice. eye this weekend on ferrari seeing if they can... Because uh, you're just
2: waiting for the car to stop well, on track? Well, I
1: mean, basically, yeah, that's going to keep me on pins and needles, I think, the whole time, uh, because, I mean, th- they're the only people who could feasibly take the fight to for Red Bull right now, I think.
3: The Ferrari is fast. Like, they do have raw speed, which is good. Red Bull also does, but Ferrari does, too, more than anyone else, which be cool to see.
1: I just can't believe that over the course of this show, I've become like a hostage fan of Ferrari. Yeah. I don't know why that is. A, a Stockholm Syndrome fan. I think so. I'm ex- But not like I'm not even like I, I'll be out there. Like I've my allegiance now is to to Lewis. Uh, I, I am rooting for Lewis. But like now.
2: Nolan, this is not helping that one commenter who is always like, you need to check your Hamilton bias. <laughs> like, Nolan, you're not helping but, us. They're not
1: doing well. So it's OK. <laughs> uh is it <laughs> i think so
2: i can like them uh but <laughs> commenter please let
1: us I, now know i have like okay. second hand stockholm syndrome as well for ferrari <laughs> and i think that's messed up i don't know how this happened
3: i've been in, like I, i'm gonna say i've been in the same boat because i used to actively hate ferrari because i hate anything that's an institution and ferrari does its thing and i freaking i hate that i what i like or the drivers because they are real people who are impacted by the fact that Ferrari is a hot mess constantly. I didn't even like Carlos Sainz for the longest time, and now I like kind of feel bad for
2: him. He has a soft spot in my heart, and I was—it's because of Ferrari. Like I actively hate that. I agree that it's the drivers. The institution of Ferrari still makes me just unreasonably mad. I just they're so like anti girly things, and I'm just like I'm not into it. I'm I'm not into it. No, thank you, Ferrari. Uh,
1: like like we said, I we should. Exp- I, I'm expecting to see Red Bull one two again this weekend. But who knows? Maybe they'll maybe something weird will happen. I hope something weird happens. Something safe weird, not bad weird. I just want to put that out there. I'm knocking wood. Weird, there we not
2: dangerous. If Max Verstappen is actually as good as he thinks he is, he will let Daniel Ricciardo run the first half of the race. Swap out. And then if he wins, he's good.
1: Wow. What a wager. I think
2: that's banned. (laughs) That's my bet to Max Verstappen. And if he doesn't take it, then sorry.
1: Those are our predictions for the weekend. But let's talk about our Boyfriend of the Week. (laughs) Boyfriend of the Week. It's where we pick who's the best. Kind of like a fleeting moment. Who's our favorite for right now? Uh, Boyfriend of the Week is middle school rules. It's only for one week only. And our boyfriend could be anybody. It can be a, a person. It could be a car. It could be an animal.
2: It could be a passing thought we had.
1: Yes. Alanis, you want to lead us off?
2: Me first. Okay. I have two boyfriends of the week. We're really progressive on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, two of them. My first boyfriend of the week is Kimi Raikkonen. Hello, Kimi Raikkonen. My second is Jensen Button. Hello, Jensen. And that is because they both announced that they are running the NASCAR race at Circuit of the Americas in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, my favorite genre of driver is Formula One driver who comes and does NASCAR. Like, I love it. And, you know, last time Kimi Raikkonen did a NASCAR race, it was last year at Watkins Glen with Project 91, which is Trackhouse Racing's, like, one-off car where they have superstars basically come in. He's doing Project 91 again, and until he got wrecked last year, that man was running in the top 10. He was really, really good. He was doing good. He was doing great, and Kimi Raikkonen is very good at Circuit of the Americas. He has lots of experience here, likely more than any of these NASCAR drivers. I want to see Kimi Raikkonen win a NASCAR race. Those are my boyfriends of the week.
3: Uh, Jensen Button, I popped down the press conference that they had when they announced uh, his his situation uh, he logged into the Zoom call from his, quote unquote, grand's living room. Are you so joking? It was just this like, cl- no, it was this cute little like old lady's living room. It was freaking incredible.
2: <laughs> That's so cute <laughs> what a good, though. What a
3: good boy. It was cute. Wow. It was adorable.
2: We love you, Jensen. Thank you. Jensen, you also saw Jensen one time and you gave him a business card for Racing with Rich Energy. I did. We watched Spa 2021
3: together. <laughs> I'm going to ask him if he's read the book. I hope so. I don't know if he knows how to read. Okay. Elizabeth, who's your boyfriend of the week? Uh, my boyfriend of the week is Tumblr user Mixstart, who made an incredible post that we will retweet. Someone tweeted it out. We will retweet this on the Donut Racing Show account at Donut Racing Show. Uh, it's about the top three teams. So Red Bull, when they finish low, they say, send the other teams directly to jail. They are cheating. Yes. Mercedes, when they finish low. I'm so f-ing sorry, I didn't mean to, like, just so sad. Ferrari when they finish low, all caps, Forza Ferrari, the greatest team in Formula One, we change nothing, the car is fine, the team is fine, everything is good, Ferrari is the best car, number one even when we finish last. Thank you for that. Perfectly
2: summed up the last few seasons of this sport. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I tell you what, that, the Ferrari will explode and Charles Claire will be walking out of the car with his fire suit on fire, and he will be like, mm-hmm. "Everything's great. The car's great. Yeah, I'm great. Yeah, yeah. it's horrible. <laughs> Good stuff." No
1: my boyfriend of the week is completely unrelated to Formula One. Oh no! Uh, it's Max Schneider, Ooh. my coworker, <laughs> our coworker here at Donut. He took really great photos of us. For the Donut Racing Show promo picks. And you can see those all over our social media. Well, especially Alanis and Liz's social media. I need to find some shots and post some of no my own. No one's
2: ignoring us. I'm not
1: ignoring you guys. You guys already you guys posted the pictures and I didn't want to like step on that, you know. Anyway, great pictures. Thank you, Max, for making us look so cool.
2: Thank you, Max. We appreciate you. This is the coolest I've ever looked, I think. <laughs> it's very album cover like. It's really and- hard to make me look cool. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, I would let y'all beat me up. And I'm just like, that's wonderful. You want to fight? I'm always available. I am too. Listen, when I was a kid, we used to get the sock and boppers. Okay. And I would fight people with the sock and boppers. Me and my friend Logan, we had pairs of them. And we would box each other at like 12 years old and just like hardcore fighting. It was amazing. So... You got a pair of sock and boppers. Let's go. I will fight you to the death.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Love it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I, my friends and I were bare knuckle brawling in the no, freaking sock parking and boppers lot make outside it, of school. No, sock and boppers make it so much funnier. It's so much funnier yeah, when you we have cartoon
3: We weren't hands. there for fun. We were, we were there to leave a scar.
1: <laughs> Dang.
2: Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about everything that happened at the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix.
1: In the meantime, make sure to subscribe and tell all your friends to tune into The Donut Racing Show if you want to leave us a five-star and kindly-worded review. That would really help us out, so please consider doing so.
3: If you're not familiar with Donut, we have a YouTube channel as well as an automotive history podcast called Past Gas. Make sure you go check those out. you got to follow DRS on Twitter, at Donut Racing Show, in order to see my boyfriend of the week. You can follow Alanis on Twitter and Instagram at AlanisNKing. You can follow Nolan on Twitter and Instagram at Nolan J. Sykes. And I am Liz underscore Blackstock on Twitter and Liz A. Blackstock on Instagram if you want to follow me. But I would rather you go to GrandPrixGastronomy.substack.com. I'm cooking my way through the Formula One calendar this year. Go follow that. Cook with me. That is
2: so exciting. We can't wait to talk to all of you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye.